you can be dismissed for a children's church opportunity. All right, you've got All right, great. Good morning, church. I'm glad he clarified on the Wiggle Worms, the band. They almost got up and left right then. So uh, it's good to be with y'all today. My name is Scott. Uh, my wife, Leslie, is here with me. Uh, I'm the director of your association that you're a part of. And so we live in Burleson. My office is in Cleburne. You're part of a network of about 60 churches. And I just want to thank you for your partnership in the association and in kingdom work. Together, we can do more than any one of us can do by ourselves. And because of your partnership in the association right now, we're helping start a new church plant in Cleburne, meeting in an elementary school. We're gifting them $1,000 a month. And that is made possible because churches like you contribute to the association and churches doing that together were able to start new works. It was a real joy to represent you a few months ago to one of our newest churches that has really become established. They've baptized over 150 people. They've just recently bought property and we were able to make them a $200,000 gift because of our partnership on their first piece of property outside of Rhyme Vista. We're excited about what God is doing at Chisholm Trail Cowboy Church and Pastor Wade Yarborough. But these things would not be available or possible if we weren't working together. So thank you. Uh, I represent you to the churches in our association. If there's anything I can do for you or you have a question about how Baptist churches can or should, hopefully will work together, please let me know. I'd love to walk alongside of you in that. And I'm excited about you looking to call Eric and his wife Bailey. And I've spoken to your pastor about that before. And so we're just excited about the next steps. We'll be praying with you that God would give you direction. I always encourage churches, the only thing worse than not having a minister, the minister that you're looking for, is having the wrong minister. And so, you know, it always, I love your emphasis on prayer. This is a time where it's not a popularity contest. This is where you really want to hear from the Lord. Lord, what is your will concerning this? And so I appreciate that emphasis related to prayer. If you have your Bibles, and if you want to encourage your pastor, I want to encourage you to bring your Bible. Uh, nothing encourages a pastor more than just seeing people have God's Word, whether it's your digital copy, whether it's your paperback copy. I like the old-fashioned kind myself. Got on my phone, got on my tablet, got it on my Kindle. You know, I love all that stuff, but it just seems to me to help me really connect better to just bring up the old paper copy and use that whenever I go to church. And so I want to encourage you to do that. When you come to church, if you don't have a Bible, I know the church would be happy to give you a Bible, but... This is God's word to you. This is God's word for us. And wow, do we ever need God's word today? I mean, my goodness, we live in a day where we need God's word. And so if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open up to Acts chapter 10. We're going to be looking at that. And although there's a lot of things we could be talking about in that one chapter, I want to really pare it down to just one or two seminal thoughts in Acts chapter 10 in the New Testament. As I was thinking about coming to you today, I was just thinking about this idea of working with God and partnering with God and making sure we're not drawing the lines too firmly between people and whatnot and just the importance of relationships. And I was reminded of a story I heard about a man that was particularly depressed and he had thought to himself, life isn't worth living. He walked out to the bridge outside of town and he just thought, you know what, I'm just going to jump and end it all. And right as he got to the middle of the bridge, he's about to jump, he heard this voice that said, don't do it. 
The man turned around and sure enough, there was a guy that had apparently followed him or just happened chance to be there. And he said, well, why not? He said, because God loves you. Don't you believe in God? And the guy said, well, actually I do. And then the man that walked up to the jumper said, well, well, let me ask you a question. Are you a Christian by any chance or maybe a Jew? And the jumper said, well, I'm a Christian. The man said, well, you know, I am too. It's amazing. Well, are you a Protestant or are you a Catholic? And the guy that was about to jump said, well, I'm a Protestant. To which the man that walked up said, phenomenal. I am too. So well, let me ask you a question. What denomination are you? Are you are, are, are you uh, Northern Baptist or are you Southern Baptist? The jumper said, well, I'm Northern Baptist. And the guy looked at him and said, that's amazing. I am too. Are you Northern Conservative Baptist or are you Northern Liberal Baptist? The guy that was about to jump said, well, if you're asking, I'm Northern Conservative Baptist. To which the man said, I cannot believe this. I am too. Then he said, now, let me ask you, are you Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region or Northern Conservative Baptist Eastern region? To which the guy on the bridge that was about to jump replied, well, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region. The guy looked at him and said, phenomenal. This is, must be a miracle. I am too. Then he said, well, let me ask you a quick question. Now, are you Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Regional Council of 1912? To which the guy that was about to jump said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. To which the man that walked up said, Die, you heretic, and he pushed him over. Sometimes I wonder if we draw lines much too quickly with the people around us. But the reality is we live in a day where there are sharply divided opinions on just about everything. But when it comes to the opinion about how we might work and partner with God, we actually do have a definitive source, the Word of God. And the counsel of God instructs us very importantly on how we might partner with Him for God to work through us to accomplish phenomenal things. As I mentioned just a few moments ago, you are part of an association. A network of churches that was started here in Johnson County in 1864, 10 years after our county was born. A small group of churches, seven, got together. Two of those churches are still in existence, Bethesda Baptist Church in Burleson and First Baptist Alvarado. Seven churches came together to form an association for mutual encouragement and seeking the kingdom of God to grow in our county. And so they pooled their resource together. They brought an associational missionary like myself to the field to try to start new churches and strengthen the existing churches. Back at that time in 1864, those were tumultuous years. If you know your history, the Civil War was four years into it. We were yet a year away from our nation finding some sense of peace and resolve. But even in our county, times were exceptionally difficult and days were hard. The Texas Almanac lists that there were about 4,500 people in the county back in 1864. And that means just with that handful of churches, seven, that means there were 642 people in the county for every Baptist church. 
And although no doubt, just like today, there were a few more churches scattered abroad of various denominations, it came to the conclusion of that early group gathering that they needed more churches across the county so that people would have an opportunity to know God and to have a place of worship that would not be difficult for them to get to. And yet, as I think about today, with statisticians reminding us that the population of Johnson County is about 175,817 people with a little over 60 churches, that means we have a Baptist church for every 2,835 people in the county. To me, that says we are not keeping up with the growth of our county when it comes in terms of kingdom growth. In fact, if you look out across the county on any given Sunday morning, about 80% of the people do not attend worship in any church whatsoever. And my question to you, to us today, is what is it going to take for us to reach our community, our county, your neighborhood, your family and friends, your classmates, the folks you run around with? What is it going to take for us to reach them for Jesus. You see, this was one of the founding purposes of our gathering as a group of churches that you're a part of. In 1885, the earliest document that we have concerning the Constitution and guidelines at that time of the association, they defined the purpose of this association. They said, quote, the grand leading objective of this union shall be to promote a united effort among the churches to extend the preaching of the pure gospel within the bounds of the association by all reasonable and scriptural means. I don't know about you, but today I wonder if we are better off today than we were 160 years ago. Are we not living in a culture in the midst of a society that we can actually look at today and hear with our own ears and see with our own eyes where that which we know the Bible says is wrong, people are calling right, and that which is right, people are actually calling wrong and celebrating. You see, it makes me wonder what the spiritual condition of our communities is really like. What is it really like here in Grandview? Do most people attend church? Or is church simply something that people are familiar with? Perhaps I don't know your count this, your community as well as you do, but I'm in the county all the time. And every weekend, it seems as if I'm preaching or participating in worship in a different church in a different location. And all I can report to you is that everywhere I go, it seems as if the Walmart parking lots, people are shopping at HEB, the restaurants are full, and it seems as if people are going about their lives on Sunday morning, and church is scarcely a blip on the radar. Something inside of me says that God does not want it that way. And what might we do to partner with God more closely so that God would be freed up to work in us and through you as a church to reach your community for Christ. One of the efforts that I've been engaged in is trying to begin a movement of prayer to begin catalyzing an environment that is conducive to revival and spiritual awakening because I do not believe God is satisfied 
with so many people in one area that do not connect with Him in any way. You see, this is the very essence of who we are as a church, as a people of faith. We are to live the kind of lives that God would use us to draw other people to Himself. And the book of Acts in chapter 10 highlights this idea of God using us and the theme that I want to specifically touch on for just a few moments this morning. It says, beginning in chapter 10, verse 1, at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, prayed continually to God. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter, about the apostle Peter, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour at noon to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. And he saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is unclean or common. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And then the thing was taken up at once to heaven. And while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who is called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Peter went down with, to the men and said to them, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright, God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say to us. And so Peter invited the men to be his guests. And the next day he arose and went away with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. Let me just pause for a few moments there. This passage is God breaking through the Jewish mindset that the good news of Jesus is not just for Jews, but it is for everyone. That is one of the main themes, purposes, 
that Luke accounts for in this story. And so Peter's vision of the animals is really not something about food. God is helping Peter to have a changed mindset that what God calls clean, don't call unclean. Because Cornelius is going to send for messengers to come to Peter. Cornelius is a Gentile. And Peter is going to be confronted with the age-old mindset that the good news of Jesus was only for the Jews. And so God is in the process of breaking through this barrier that separated Jews and Gentiles that the gospel is for all people in all places everywhere. But the idea I especially want to touch on as it relates to you and I and how God might use you and how God might use this church or we as a gathering of churches, how God might use us to bring about revival and spiritual awakening is that God might use us more profoundly than He has in the past if we are willing to deepen our commitment and resolve to being the kind of people of prayer that God would see fit to use. You cannot help but look at this passage and see the importance of prayer. Cornelius apparently is a religious seeker. He is wanting to know more about God. He is identified as a man of prayer. He gave alms to the poor. He was respected by the Jewish community. And as he is praying, an angel appears to him with a message from God Most High. We are not told exactly what Cornelius is praying. Perhaps he is saying to God that he wanted to be of use to God. Perhaps he is asking for God's direction in his life. Perhaps he is letting God know about some particular burden or asking God for clarification of this or that. We do know that Cornelius was a very spiritual man. He was a good man. He was a religious man. But he was not spiritual and good and religious enough because he did not yet know and accept Jesus. And you see, in the midst of his praying and seeking, God is going to reveal himself. And in the same way, Peter goes up on the rooftop to pray. And what does God do? As Peter is up there praying, he begins to have this vision where God is changing his mindset. God is preparing Peter to be his witness. Something has to take place in Peter before God is free to use him as God desires to use him. And so Peter has this vision and the sheet is then taken up into heaven. And then all of a sudden, as he's beginning to think about this, the Spirit of God says to him, some guys are downstairs. They're knocking at the gate. You're supposed to go with them. I have sent them. You know, this passage reminds me of the direct correlation there is between prayer and the working of the Spirit of God. When the people of God pray, God works. When a person who is searching after God prays and is seeking God and is wanting to follow God, wanting to honor God in his or her life, God reveals more of himself and God is working.
Church, I wanted to encourage you this morning by being here today that one of the greatest things you can do for your community, for your lost friends, for family members that do not know you, for prodigal children or grandchildren, is for you and I to take seriously the biblical example to pray, to be people of prayer. Sometimes I wonder if we have forgotten this deep truth woven all through the pages of Scripture that when God's people pray, God works. When people pray, God is on the move. Time does not allow us to take a quick survey of Scripture and how prayer is highlighted from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But even a cursory examination here, even in the book of Acts, reminds us of the importance of prayer. You remember back in chapter 2 when the new group of believers after Pentecost is some 3,000 strong. They're gathering together around the apostles' teaching and breaking bread and fellowship and praying. And in summation of that statement, the Bible says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, as the early church prayed, more people came to know Christ. You turn over to Acts chapter 3 and 4, Peter and John, they've been put in jail for healing a man that was lame. They've been commanded not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus. But what did they do? They went back to the other disciples. They lifted their voices together in prayer. And they said, Lord, grant us boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders so that the people were, will believe. And as they prayed, the building literally shook. And the witnesses were filled with newfound power to be His witnesses with the good news. You turn to Acts chapter 7 and you see the sustaining power of God upon Stephen as he's being stoned to death as he prays even as Jesus did from the cross. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. You turn to Acts chapter 8 and after being struck down by blinding light and hearing Jesus' voice, Saul is led as a blind man into the city to await God's intervention through Ananias. And in chapter 9, verse 11, God speaks to Ananias and He says this, Rise and go to the house on Straight Street, to the house of Judas, and look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. You think that's a coincidence? I don't think so. As people pray, as we become desperate in prayer, God moves. You turn to Acts chapter 9, as Peter has been called because a precious saint of the Lord Dorcas, some translations call her Tabitha, had died. All the widows were gathered around her. They're asking Peter to do something about it. What does he do? He did what Jesus did. He got the crowd out of the room and the Bible says he knelt down beside her and prayed and then he looked at her and said, Tabitha, arise. And do you know what happened? She arose. You turn to Acts chapter 12 and Peter we find in prison in verse 5 says, but the church was earnestly praying for him. And down in verse 7 it says, as they had prayed, suddenly this bright light shone in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood next to Peter and struck him on the side. His chains fell off and he commanded Peter to get up 
and follow me. You turn to Acts chapter 13 and the apostles are worshiping and praising God and praying in the early church at Antioch. And what does God do? He speaks by the Spirit of God to the people in the church and says, set apart from me Saul and Barnabas for the work that I have called them. And there began the great missionary journeys of the New Testament. You come to Acts chapter 16 and we find Paul and Silas. They've been thrown into prison. They're delivering a slave girl from demonic possession. They're put in jail. But as they are in jail, they are praying and singing hymns to God. You know the story. The earthquake happened. The jailer thought the prisoners had escaped. He drew his sword to kill himself. Peter says, Paul says, we're actually all here. And the jailer runs to them, trembling, falls at his feet and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, what I want you to understand, church, is there is a direct correlation between the prayers of God's people and the kingdom work we see God doing around us. And maybe, just maybe, the result of reasons why we don't see God doing many things like we ask Him to do is because we're not engaged in the kind of praying that we read about in the book of Acts. Honestly, I wonder how much the church today, let's just narrow it down to the church in Johnson County. How much do we really believe in prayer? For many people, prayer is something you say at a meal. It is a Hail Mary before some significant event. But what might happen if we prayed and really acted like eternity depended upon it. I mean, really praying. The kind of praying that is lived out in our personal lives and is evident visibly in the churches. Or perhaps we have been all too long engaged in the kind of praying that James talks about in James chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own pleasures. Church, what might God do in our communities if as a group of churches, prayer meetings were flourishing, where times of prayer corporately in the body of Christ became pivotal, important, priority moments where we began to cry out to God with a fresh sense of passion and desperateness for Him to restore the prodigals, to save the lost, not asking Him for better health, for more wisdom for our business. I'm all for all of those things. But when our hearts become touched with the things that are upon God's heart for all eternity, something inside of me says that maybe just maybe we would begin to see the spiritual tide turn in our county and our communities when His people are once again known as a people of prayer, where His house is once again called a house of prayer. I don't know what that needs to look like in your life or in this church. But what I can tell you is that in most public gatherings of God's people, prayer is barely mentioned or engaged in at all. Could it be that we might see God do the kind of things we read about Him doing in the book of Acts if we took prayer more seriously in our own lives and in our churches? Each church I go to, I encourage the pastor and the churches, whatever the level of prayer commitment is in your church, try to raise it this year. 
Christian, I would encourage you to do the same thing. Prayer is not just an optional thing that God hit and miss responds to. No, when we pray, God is working. This is part of the purpose of this text. As Cornelius is praying, and he's not even yet a follower of Jesus, do you see the great extreme that God goes to in bringing the good news to Cornelius? He speaks to Peter, who is on the rooftop 35 miles away, and begins to work in his heart so that Cornelius can hear the good news of Jesus through the Apostle Peter. All the links that God will go to when the people of God pray to bring people into the kingdom of God. I would venture to say that most of us have neighbors who have never darkened the doors of a church. Most of us have friends who have never expressed an interest in going to church or being a part of the things of God or knowing Jesus Christ. I want to suggest to you today that one of the things you and I can do to begin to change the tide is to start praying for them. When we pray, God begins to work. More and more, I am convinced, you can have the best band in the county. You can have the most dazzling preacher in the state of Texas. You can have phenomenal programs. Your outreach events could be second to none. You can have a budget that is unmatched. You can have resources that are overflowing in every room. But unless the Spirit of God catches a hold of a person's heart, they will never turn to Christ. And no amount of music or preaching or money is able to fix that except the prayers of God's people asking God by His Holy Spirit to work into that person's life and to open their eyes suddenly to the truth of the good news. You see, that's why we pray. Church, because we are powerless to grow the kingdom without God. And if we perceive it as growth, it is merely wood, hay, and straw. It will not last. No, true life change only comes about by the Spirit of God working in a person's heart. And one of the ways you and I can foster that in our communities, in our neighborhood, our family, with our friends, is by coming a man or a woman, a student deeply committed to praying. This is why one of my favorite quotes of that great devotional writer, my utmost for his highest, Oswald Chambers, when he speaks of prayer, he says, prayer does not prepare us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. While I am deeply encouraged by some of the evidences that I've seen of churches growing in prayer and gatherings like your pastor is a part of, it so encourages me to see and to hear him meet with other pastors in the community to pray, to pray for you, to pray for the spiritual awakening in the county and in this community, to pray for one another. Yet I am still baffled a little bit. Why is it? that there is such prevailing lostness in our county. Perhaps it is because we have not yet become the kind of people who are desperate for God. I don't know about you, but as I look at this passage and examine the life of Cornelius and find here is a man who is very religious, he's very spiritual, he is a good man, everybody's talking good about him. But it's not good enough for God. 
You see, the only thing that can change him is a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Is having the eyes of his heart opened to receive the good news. And so as Peter gets up the next day and he and this group of followers with him go and they travel from Joppa to Caesarea and there he's going to visit in the home of Cornelius and Cornelius begins to explain, this is why I sent for you. Peter opens his mouth and says in verse 34 and says, truly, Oh, now I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable in His eyes. And Peter begins to talk about Jesus being anointed by God, being empowered by God to perform signs and wonders, preaching the good news. Peter says, we were witnesses of this thing, how Jesus was crucified on the cross, how He was raised from the dead. And Peter goes on to say, and He commanded us to preach to the people, to testify that He is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. To Him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins and through His name. And when Peter began to unfold that and express that to Cornelius and his family and all those that had gathered in his home, something tipped spiritually in their hearts. It's as if they were saying, Peter, we believe. Peter, we understand it now. Peter, we understand that Jesus, we had heard He had been crucified. We had heard that He had been raised from the dead. But now I see it. He died for me. Yes, I believe He is the Son of God. And when that happened, the Spirit of God came. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the Word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. They were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And here in Acts chapter 10, we have the Gospel. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy... We have... We have the Spirit empowering the new believers come upon the Gentiles. And it all came about in connection with people praying. Church, I don't know where you are in your own spiritual journey or what might be taking place in your own life. But maybe God has us here today to encourage us to pray. To be the kind of people who become desperate for God to do a great work in our neighborhoods, in our families, and across the county. And church, I just want to encourage you today that as you and I pray, God works. When Cornelius prayed, God sent an angel to him. God spoke to Peter. God brought Peter to right where the message needed to be heard. When Peter was praying, God spoke to Peter about things that needed to be adjusted, mindset. He needed to mature in his own life. So you see, as we pray, God works. Could I encourage you this next week to take prayer to the next level in your own life? Ask God to show you who to pray for. Express to God that if He'll make a way and He'll give you the words to say, and provide the opportunity 
that you'll be just like Peter was to Cornelius. God, I'll be your witness this next week. I'm just foolish enough to believe that if God's people will do what God's people did way back in the book of Acts, we just might see some of the things God did back then in our day. God desires to bring spiritual awakening. He desires to revive churches. But I have yet to hear of a great move of God that was not coupled with the prayers of God's people. And my question to us today is, do we want a move of God bad enough to be the kind of people who will pray? That's my encouragement to you this morning. The band is going to come. We're going to have just a moment of response before they do. Let me just be with us in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity we've had to study your word, to just think about what it says, the possible implications. Make us the kind of people of prayer you want us to be. Put people in our hearts to pray for. May this church be known as a house of prayer that the building would be full week to week, the baptistry waters would be stirred from Sunday to Sunday, that this community would be set on fire with the good news of Jesus and true life transformation. Lord, I pray that you would do that in our day. And now use us to be catalysts for this great work as we pray and trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I'm just going to invite you to stand. We're not going to linger very long, but maybe something in this passage really spoke to you. See, one of the things that it spoke to me was you can be a really good person and be as far from God as the sun is from the earth. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you have that relationship with Jesus? Today, I would like to share with you about how you can have that relationship if that is a question that is on your heart. Doing what that group in Cornelius' home did themselves. Trusting, believing, calling upon the Lord. And today, I'd love to visit with you more about that during the invitation. Perhaps this morning, God's just been putting some things, people on your hearts to pray for. Perhaps He's convicted you of prayerlessness. You might need to come to the altar and say, God, forgive me for taking so much for granted and being so self-focused on my own life that I'm not even concerned about what you're doing in the lives of people around me. Lord, reignite my heart to be the kind of person of prayer that you will use to impact the people around me. And maybe that's where you need to respond today and just slip up to the altar and say, okay, God, I want to be your man, your woman, your student of prayer. And I resolve to do that. Use me. Or maybe there might be a burden that you have that you simply need to come to the altar and say, God, preacher didn't talk about this, but this is overwhelming. But today, I want to come to you because you said in your word, cast all your cares upon you. So today, God, I want to come. I'm going to bring my care to you and I'm just asking for your help. You see, as you pray, God works. And as they lead us in worship, I want to invite you to respond. And let's just see how God might work in your life and in this church as we step out in obedience to Him. 
Let's worship and respond for a moment.